and welcome back to Afternoon Tea. Today I'm going to be doing another really exciting interview with a girl called Sophie. We're going to be speaking about sex education, sex positivity and her work with the dating app. I'm really, really looking forward to this episode and I hope that you enjoy it. So sit back, relax and grab yourself a warm drink. Hey! Hi Sophie, how are you? I'm good. I Okay, sorry, my video was off. Oh, that's alright. <laughs> I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. By the way, I have got a glass of wine. I don't know if that's really unprofessional. But no, 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 I'm literally like... not at all. Like, it's your Friday, you work. Go for it. Go for it. There is I haven't, it isn't like, you know, it's not like my third or anything. I'm not going to be. It's my first glass, but I didn't I didn't drink it at dinner, so I just thought I'd brought it, bring it out. <laughs> no, don't worry, that is absolutely fine. Firstly, just tell me a bit about yourself, like where you're from, like where you grew up and what your passions are. Cool. Um, so I'm Sophie. I'm from East London. But I spent three years at uni in Sheffield and now I'm back. I'm currently working as uh, like marketing support and content creator for a dating app startup. And in terms of like passions, um, it's got to be like sex education, um, general feminism, body positivity movement, um, big animal lover as well, like baking, all this like slightly cringy, wholesome stuff I'm like into <laughs> oh, I love that I love that I'm so into baking and animals as well not obviously you know they're not like not <laughs> together <laughs> not together but love them. um so tell me a bit about sex education in the UK what does it mean to you oh good question I don't really know how to start that um and also I have just been re-watching the Netflix show sex education so like I was just gonna start talking about that and I was like no that's not real like <laughs> that's that's a tv show like that's not what the sex education is currently like um I think, I mean, lots of stuff has been sort of, there's been really great changes in the last couple of years um, in terms of making sex education compulsory and including LGBT plus uh, education within the curriculum. But I think for a lot of people who are sort of, I would say like maybe between the ages of 17 and early 20s, like we didn't get a particularly comprehensive sex education. And sex education generally has been very much focused on uh, for girls, how not to get pregnant and how to deal with periods. And boys were taught about sort of erections, wet dreams, stuff like that. So their sort of generally male sex, sex education is more focused on pleasure and women's sex education is focused on don't get pregnant, don't get an STD. Um, also, you're going to bleed every month and it's going to be shit. <laughs> but, uh, oh, sorry, I'm not sure I can swear. Oh, I'll, I'll, don't worry. <laughs> I was like oh god oh yeah um so yeah so I that's um kind of what sex education was like for me and I think generally with lots of my friends as well because we we're very open now we chat about periods we chat about sex and pleasure and things but we didn't growing up because it was like weird or taboo or like I don't think I knew like what the clitoris was until I was like 17 or 18 whereas like you know the boys had been told that wanking was okay as soon as they were like 12 um so yeah, that's my views on sex education. It is getting a lot, lot better. There are so many amazing charities and various different organisations. There's a school of sexuality education who go in and do workshops in schools. They do really cool things like um, with like Play-Doh, which sounds really weird, but they teach the girls like how to make like their vulvas out of Play-Doh and they label it so they know they know what their anatomy is because again like there's a ridiculous amount of surveys that just show that adult women don't know their own bodies they're like scared of it or they haven't been taught what's what and they're just expected to like not talk about it or think about it which is just insane 
Um, so I think things are changing, but there's still a long way to go, uh, especially when it comes to talking about transgender people, general LGBT plus issues that I think a lot of teachers or whatever might not necessarily know about. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, I especially like as a like my from my own experiences, like as a young queer person, I was never taught about things like dental dams or like HIV transmission or like gay sex or anything like that. Like even yeah. things like femidoms, which is, as you say, you know, it's like female protection and can be used with men with women with any gender like we just yeah. weren't taught about that and I always found that really confusing and I actually brought this up to a friend the other day and yeah. she was just like yeah I learned how to use a dental dam from a BuzzFeed video which is just like so like I feel yeah. like young young like queer people even even straight people to some extent because sex education is so lacking will be able to sort of relate to that like watching those BuzzFeed videos to sort of yeah. understand yourself so yeah how did you first get into this world of activism and what makes you so passionate about being sex positive Okay, again, that's a really big question. And also, just as a side point, I completely agree with you. And I think as well, I remember being taught about, um, we were taught very briefly about gay sex, but it was about like two men, so anal sex. But I don't think I was ever, I don't think I even knew what sex between two women was. And because it was like, okay, so this is what a girl and a guy do. This is what two guys might do. And like, just no one, and obviously a group of 12 year old, no one's going to put their hand up and be like, so what do two girls do mm. like so for you know any girls in my class that were queer like I, I can't imagine what that would have been like thinking well how do I even do anything because no one's teaching me and then like you said going to BuzzFeed or worse people learning from porn which oh, won't yeah. cover things like um STD protection or anything like that because obviously porn isn't real anyway sorry Simon <laughs> no, um, <fine>. but that, <laughs> that's kind of why I'm so passionate about it because I think I don't know I, oh, I think it definitely links into the patriarchy as well and I've always been quite a sort of passionate feminist and very proud of that and as I sort of I guess I was gonna say like had a sexual awakening which is such a cringe way of putting it but as I like grew older and was interested in that sort of stuff I was it just frustrated me that I'd never been taught properly about it and that's as me as as um a straight woman you know I'm I'm very I'm very privileged and generally sex education is catered towards straight people and I still felt confused so it's like if it's not even covering that like it's just it's just it was just a mess um so yeah I think I don't know I just hate the idea of young people feeling ashamed of their bodies ashamed of how they feel not knowing where to get advice from and not knowing how to do something that they really should know how to do if they want to obviously um, not everyone has to engage with sex or anything like that but yeah just it's just scary not having knowledge it, it's just not nice and yeah. I think the more knowledge we have the safer choices we can make and we'll just feel more confident in ourselves yeah yeah I completely agree with you and on that note like just talking about like the experiences of I think women in general like no matter your sexuality in preparation for this I was thinking a lot about was um like how as you say like like boys are taught about like wet dreams and stuff like that but mm. um as a young girl like I remember getting discharged for the first time and I'm honestly like I was sort of not sure about whether to talk about this but equally like the whole point is about being sex positive and speaking about this stuff because it isn't yeah. spoken about so I'm going to speak about it like yeah I remember yeah getting discharged for the 
first time when I was maybe 10 years old and um, this was when I had access to the internet and I was convinced that I had a yeast infection. I was like, what is this? I would look yeah. it up on the internet and everything would tell me I had thrush because I was not even told in class, you'll get discharged and before you get your period, it changes over the cycle. Yeah. And I, I asked a couple of friends, is this just a me thing? And they all said the same thing, like, no, I was Googling it as well. Like, I before I had thrush, you're like, we were all 11 years old and yeah. something so natural was happening, but we were convinced like we, there was something wrong with us simply because yeah. they didn't tell us that. Yeah, and things like that as well. Like general um where was I going with that like uh just general women's health issues like for example like UTIs majority of women will have them at some point in their life it's really important um if you've had sex with a man to pee after sex it can really prevent that no I I learned that from a Hannah Witten video when I was 20 like I didn't I was never taught that and things like like you said discharge or um really common um infections women can get such as bacterial vaginosis as I say I'm probably going to say some of these wrong and yeast infections I like um I know friends who've had those which are very common I think it's like 75 percent of women will experience one of those in their lives assume it then they had somehow caught chlamydia or gonorrhea um which you know there's there's no shame around STIs at all but you know assuming that that's something really that they need to go and get antibiotics or, or whatever then really what is just it just happens and it's just the way that the <laughs> the woman's body is or it's just like um or sorry I should say anyone um who has a vulva can experience um and it's like we weren't taught about this and then yeah you know, everyone panics and something's terribly wrong with them they build up the shame they might not want to go to the doctor they might not want to tell their parents in case that you know it's just like ah yeah I get really frustrated by it but I also yeah. love talking about it because it's like breaking down to booze. so I get frustrated and like excited at the same time when I'm talking about it yeah, for sure <laughs> no I I completely agree with you and I didn't like even realize how lacking like my own sex education was until I started to think about it and something that really got to me on your note of like you know bacterial vaginosis and things like this is like I've had friends come to me and you know like they've had an argument with like a boyfriend and like they'll say like oh yeah like he's really annoyed because I've got thrush like he's I like whenever we whenever we're intimate I get thrush and like he says like you know like what's wrong with me like why do I keep getting thrush and I just sit there and I, th I thought about it for a while and I was like wait surely like he's the one giving it to you like you're just passing it back to one another but again yeah. we're like there's so little education that it's like the girl feels the shame in it and yeah. also you know probably not knowingly her partners and saying to her like oh you're like why do you keep getting this when they may just be you know swapping yeah swapping bacteria back yeah, and, and also it's um so for some I'm really passionate about um I was gonna say I'm really passionate about condoms which sounds really <laughs> weird um but you know there's this general thing about guys being really fussy about wearing them and there's just yeah. ridiculous and apparently it's like taboo or weird to want to use them when really it's just a way to practice safe sex anyway um so a lot of people don't know this but uh, this is like I, I love like fun sex facts, um, but the vagina is naturally acidic, and I think it's like got a pH of like under four or three. Like it's really acidic, and semen is alkali. So if a guy like if you don't use condom and a guy comes inside a woman, it raises the pH. And for some people, their natural bacteria down there will sort it out. But for some people, it will destroy everything off balance because now the vagina's not acidic and it allows other bacteria and things or yeast to grow. So not only can uh, condoms protect obviously from STDs and pregnancies like for some women like if if they often have I was gonna say if they often have semen inside them which sounds <laughs> weird but you know if that happens yeah. and they're more likely to get those infections and I've had a friend who's um struggled with like recurring um vaginal infections 
um but her boyfriend hates wearing condoms so they don't use them um she's on she's on the pill and things but it's like that his pleasure is automatically more important than her health and she's regularly suffering these infections and often these infections aren't dangerous they are easy to treat but they're annoying like anyone who's experienced them it's not comfortable um but it's like you know she's sensitive and that's what happens but because he doesn't want to wear a condom that's that and it just grinds my gears it's like why is he why is he more important his pleasure more important than your actual health yeah for sure and also let's not forget like the economic cost on a woman to buy all those supplements to try and get rid of it. I mean, I know that yeah. the first time I got thrush, I did go to the doctors. I wanted to use the NHS because I wasn't really sure what it yeah. was. But then after that, I was like, I know what it is. Like I've experienced this. I'm not yeah. going to go and give, you know, ask my GP to give it to me for free. And again, yeah. you you could do that, but equally, most most people don't. Like most, you just go to the pharmacy. Yeah, most yeah. people like once they've had a whatever infection, they know what it is, and they'll just go and sort it out themselves. Yeah. And the cost of that is expensive. Like you know if you go and buy a canister like that's 11 12 13 up yeah. to 15 pounds sometimes and as you say if you're getting it a lot which can be the case if, you know if your partner is not going to use a condom or it's just you know you've got a really bad infection that won't go away then you're you you're going to be spending so much money on that and like there's yeah. that's not even a consideration i don't i don't think whenever i've had conversations about um like you know buying treatment with friends and stuff it's never like oh this is the third time it's happened like will your partner help out like that never that's never a consideration so there is like also you know it's not just like affecting your health which of course is the most important thing but also like as a young person we can't really afford to be spending money on these products you know I mean the amount of money and obviously um I mean luckily the tampon tax has been um banned but generally the cost of period products cost of like you said like if you need to get canister or whatever I remember um I had a uh UTI and like the first time again like I went to the doctor and I got stuff on the NHS then sometimes it's hard to get an appointment and you don't want to have to go to walk in and you can get that I mean boots and things offer this service where you pay 20 pounds and you test yourself which you get like it's handy but then I remember one month I was like I was really unlucky so I had to like I had brush I had to sort that out um had UTI so I spent 20 pounds on that then I had to go and pay for the antibiotics to treat it up and then on top of general period products, it's like the amount of money I'd spent on my vagina, essentially, <laughs> that month was ridiculous. And like I said, I was a student, like I hardly had like loads coming in. And it's just something that I sort of dealt with quietly, like just sort of, you know, running out from lectures, running to boots, doing that, you know, and kind of hiding it in your bag because you feel slightly embarrassed that you're doing it. And just the general stress, it's like, I've got I've got dissertation to write. Like, I don't want to be faffing about with this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the shame is like the worst part, I think, that comes with it, followed probably by the money. Oh yeah, because so many, because we're also so, like, you know, there's all these different companies that try and tell us that you should buy this product or this feminine deodorant to make you smell like daisies and roses. And, <laughs> and I mean, like, literally ask any, like, doctor or gynecologist and they'll be like, in most cases, stay the hell away from those because you know your vagina cleans itself it's amazing like it's such a because it's such a cool piece of machinery which is a really weird way of putting it but it's way it's way cooler than penises so um no offense to any listeners with penises I don't know. <laughs> um, um but yeah but like again like we're just constantly uh women uh use like we're made to feel crap about ourselves so someone can profit off of it mm. and it's just it's ridiculous and if we were taught about this when we were younger then I think that would eradicate a lot of it. Looking more at your 
career then like how did you uh-huh. first get into working for a sex positive dating app and like just tell me a bit about that what it's like and also what the app is because I'm really interested okay so uh, so this was in May 2020 so I was finishing up my degree and I found on a uh, website called intern wise which is really great if you're looking for any internships uh that this dating app called Bear, spelled B-A-R-E, um, was looking for content creators, uh, inter- like a three-month internship, and they were positioning themselves as a very flirty, fun, sex-positive dating app. And I was like, this sounds right up my street. I'd be learning about social media man- management, social media marketing, and writing about sex, relationships, dating, and things like that. So I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. So I applied for it. And I got it and I was really excited and I started writing straight away and like my articles, um, I think my first, my first article that got published with them uh, was called Why You Should Have Sex With The Lights On. Um, and it was like really, it was, meant, it was basically just a body positive piece um, and it was really fun and I was like, I can't believe like, oh my God, like my name's on the internet or something that I've written about stuff that I'm interested in. Um, so yeah, and then I continued work uh, doing unpaid internship with them and I just kept going past three months I just they liked me and I liked them <laughs> and in um December it finally turned into a paid position essentially doing the same but doing a bit more of the business and side of it which is really interesting because the dating app uh, industry is fascinating very saturated very fast moving and yeah so that's sort of what I'm doing uh in terms of what the dating app is so it's called Bear and it's 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 really cool it's really unique so um it so the co-founders realized that there are lots of dating apps out there which help you look for love um or that's the aim got the end goal of them um particularly like hinge or bumble um and things like that uh there is sort of more about finding fun or finding someone to like experiment and explore with and yeah so that's it's position in the market is to be a mainstream sort of flirty fun um app and it has really cool technology where you so you can um send a like if you want to send a picture to someone whether it's like of your face or a bit sexier but you can like blur it out and only like you can choose how much of it they see so it's got this cool reveal feature and it has a lot of groundbreaking technology and uh, everyone has to be verified and no like nudity is allowed on any main profile pictures if you want to send those sort of images you can in a private chat setting but you can't the, the technology if it sees nudity in an inappropriate form on someone's main profile automatically taken down and also the whole reveal feature function um because you can control how much not only you share but how much you receive so if someone sends you a picture and you only want to see a certain part of it you can or you can like reveal it slowly so you're not sort of <laughs> taken by surprise by anything so it's really it's sort of trying to encourage uh sexting um, but in a very safe way uh to prevent any unsolicited images um yeah I hope that makes sense it's a very cool unique new app and it's been really fun being sort of a part of its journey yeah that sounds amazing and that also sounds like really positive would you say like the community on it who use it as really just like welcoming people and you know open people yeah so we're the big focus is on like open-minded dating and being very respectful kind and welcoming so as an app like we welcome any users who are over the age of 18 
but are going to follow our community guidelines of respect and kindness and honesty. Um, and with our, we've got technology that also checks to see it. It's really cool. It like scans your face to see how old you are, because this and that is really, really accurate. Um, and that also prevents under 18s from being on the app because that's really, really unsafe. And I know from like Tinder and things, there were always people in school who were like 16 on Tinder, which is really dodgy when you think about it. So it's yeah. really cool to have an app that's preventing like, vulnerable people potentially from being on it. Um, but yeah, very positive and it's just yeah um and also one of the co-founders so it's made up of three co-founders and one of them is a woman and she's really really passionate about female empowerment um so it's really great that she's had her input because like tinder and hinge apart from bumble bumble's run by women otherwise they're all all the people at the top of the other dating apps are all men and i don't necessarily understand what a woman is looking for when she's on a dating app um, not that every woman's looking for the same thing, but the kind of things women have to think about, such as unsolicited naked images, safety, catfishing, these things tend to affect women more than men. So it's really great to have lots of female input coming from the top down. Sounds so cool. And I, again, I love that, that you've got women involved when I had no idea that women weren't involved with other dating apps. Like I literally, that is so crazy yeah. to me. Um, I'm really interested, like obviously, you know, um, I don't want to, always make everything about COVID but I always have to ask like yeah, yeah. how has it been um working for a dating app during lockdown I mean on a from a wider perspective of all dating apps um dating apps have done very very well during the pandemic it's actually um because we're in our fairly early stages it's actually been a really great time to launch because a lot of people are on dating apps because it's the only way to meet people right now and um, excuse me and we did a really um extensive survey in 2020 to see how the pandemic had affected singles across the UK like that how their dating patterns and um, really interesting figures so nearly one in two singles in the UK that we surveyed uh, had tried sexting for the first time and I think um, it's way over 50% um, so way more than half had tried apps for the first time um, which is really cool so just People were just looking for ways to connect, uh, which we haven't been able to do in normal circumstances. Um, and yeah, I think a lot more people have been just generally more open to different things and opening to connect virtually because we haven't been able to do it in person. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's the whole sort of dating world in, in COVID really, it just fascinates me. And um, I... So for the first part of the year, I was in a relationship, so it didn't really affect me. But the second half of the year, I was newly single. So I've also sort of firsthand experienced like dating apps and dating during the pandemic. And it is, it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what else more to say about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It is, it, it's a great time for dating apps, not such a great time for everyone's mental health in general just having to be shut inside but I think it's making a lot of people realize dating apps aren't that bad and they are a good way to meet people if you want to that's also fascinating and refreshing to hear your take on it as like a like as a young person you know a new grad and what you're doing like I think that it's really it sounds like a really cool job and also just like a really cool industry that I don't really know much about and I feel like most people don't really know much about like it's one of those things that um dating apps that considering how many people use them like I've never used a dating app personally but um like all my single friends use dating apps and yeah. we actually don't really know much about 
like the software or like you know who's behind yeah. it or even just like as you're saying like the logistics of like what it looks like to date in a pandemic and all that like I think yeah. it's really really fascinating it's, it's really interesting right because my background obviously is, is not in tech at all but I've had to learn a lot about the tech industry and when it comes to so we have what's called like the back end of the app which essentially is a website and we can control everything that you see on your phone on the app on this website so we can see all our users um which and we can check that they don't have any inappropriate images we can check their age location so it's really interesting obviously it's all stored confidentially and it um but it's it's really fascinating to see that side of it and also how we have to be careful in our advertising, uh, especially on platforms such as Instagram and Facebook, which obviously are big fans of censorship and not great fans of any sex positive content, um, which is a whole other issue. So it's just interesting how to sort of navigate working with, you know, obviously Facebook and Instagram. Like if you're in their bad books, then a lot of your marketing is going to just completely fail. You need them on your side. So it's just learning all of that stuff so it's a it's a really interesting um really interesting place to work and also in a startup means that I see lots of different sides of the company because although like my skills lie in writing articles and social media management I'm learning so much about business negotiations like management tech like crowdfunding it's, it's, it's really interesting um yeah, I was going to say I'd recommend it. <laughs> I would, yeah, to anyone who wants to work in a dating app, go for it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so cool. So thinking hopefully like beyond the pandemic, but obviously with your line of work and especially given like the sex positive nature of the dating app you work for, like what do you think the future of dating looks like? Ooh. That's quite a big one, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think even as hopefully we come out of this, dreaded dreaded pandemic I think dating apps have really had their chance to shine but I don't I don't think once the pandemic's ended and we can meet people in real life that they'll get any less popular um I think they just continue to grow I think it's such a great way to meet someone a lot of people don't get on the dating apps and that's fine but they are a lot of fun they're a great way to meet people that you might not necessarily meet in real life I think a lot of people have realized that during the pandemic and yeah so I just I, I think they're just going to continue to to keep growing I do think that uh it'll be better in the sense that you can actually you know meet in person with someone that you swiped on because as much as I think dating apps are great I it, I think it is hard to know how well you connect to someone or how well you're attracted to someone until you do meet in person I think you can form really deep connections via FaceTimes and stuff like that but nothing beats real life um so I just think it'll be better because people can actually go on nice dates or go for drinks um yeah I hope I, I, there's a lot of stigma around dating apps I find like my friends are split so like uh, among my single friends like they're either like constantly on tinder bumble whatever the other half are like oh my god I've never gone a dating app I just want to meet someone in real life which I get we all want some like really cool meet cute like you see in like the films in a coffee shop and like you drop something you pick it up and then the guy of your dreams or girl of your dreams is right there um but that doesn't always happen and I don't think there's any shame in wanting to connect with someone on a dating app absolutely so, I love yeah. I love that I love that approach so much so nice to hear you talk about that so um obviously like you're just at the sort of like the start of your career um what yeah. are your sort of hopes 
for sex education in the future and what also like your goals what would you like to do within like activism journalism and your job like oh I'm really, really okay intrigued. another <laughs> really exciting question I'm just like oh my god all the things I want to do in my life um <laughs> so I yeah long term um so the dream for me would be to be a well-established sex and relationship writer um I would love to work with someone like Cosmo obviously that's the dream um but as long as I'm putting out informative helpful relatable content in whatever form and hopefully getting paid a decent amount for it <laughs> that's the dream I'd love to work for a really sex positive uh magazine I love um this is just going to be plugging my own podcast while I'm on someone else's <laughs> no, podcast. <laughs> but I've got, I'm, I'm doing my own podcast at the moment. It's called Can Someone Tell Me What To Do? And it's all about figuring out life as an early 20-something. And I've just completely fallen in love with podcasting and hearing my own voice, which is really narcissistic. Um, but I'd, I'd like doing a sex positive or sex education podcast aimed at sort of the, like, maybe like 17 to 25, like, age group. I would absolutely love that. So as long as it's got something to do with sex education with a very feminist, inclusive angle, that's that's what I'd like to do. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm so excited to see where you go. So just on the oh, note of you. your podcast, would yeah. you like to give out like your Instagram handle so that people can check out your page or like even the dating app you work for? Would you like to give out their Instagram handle in case anyone wants to have a look? Oh my god, yeah. I feel like I'm just going to bombard listeners of like 5,000 like, Instagram feeds. <laughs> yeah, also follow my dog. No, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, the so my podcast is called Can Someone Tell Me What To Do? And it's at Tell Me What To Do podcasts uh, on Instagram. And basically, if you type that in on Instagram or Spotify, it will come up. Um, my Instagram is at Sophie underscore E-L-W-I-N, which has links to like all my work and stuff. And then in terms of the dating app, uh, we're called Bear, I think I've said before, but I'll spell it again, B-A-R-E, uh, at Bear Dating on Instagram. You can also download it there if you kind of want a little bit of a little bit of lockdown fun. Um, okay. Yeah. That sounds amazing. And one last thing, could I ask you for a book recommendation if you have one? It can be like your yes. favourite book or just something you've read recently, but yeah, I'm really, I'd really like to know what's your favourite book. Oh my God, when I saw, because um, when you mentioned beforehand that like yeah. you might do a book recommendation, I was like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. <laughs> um, and I was like, I need to choose one that's slightly related to the podcast, so uh, episode. So I'm obsessed with journalist Dolly Alderton, who writes for the Sunday Times and everywhere. She's just amazing. And you know when you say in the career question, actually, in my life, I want to, you know, be her, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. <laughs> but she's great. If anyone wants to read any sort of, like, very feminist, um, interesting, insightful work, check her out. She has a book that she released in autumn time um, called Ghosts. And it's all about a single 30-year-old woman who's downloads a dating app for the first time and her experience on it. But it also really delves into her friendships and because she's at a stage in her life the main character where a lot of her friends are married and settled down and how that creates difficulties and this whole idea that somehow being in a relationship or being married is like better than being single so it's a really really interesting dynamic and the relationship with her parents as well um but a lot of that bit a lot of it is about the dating world it covers heartbreak relationship sex all of all of the stuff I love to talk about so I was obsessed with it but it is done really well and I would recommend it to anyone 
brilliant that sounds so good I'll have to check that out because I have actually seen her advertise quite a lot like I've walked past Waterstones and seen her books in yeah. and I've never thought to pick it up because I was like oh I don't know if it'll be for me but now you said that like it's convinced me that is going to be she, my next read <laughs> she also has um sorry I'm probably going to make your you can obviously edit all this out she also has a book called um oh my god I've got wait let me find glasses on because I can't remember the title it's called okay yeah it's called everything I know about love yeah I've seen that I've seen that yeah it's honestly it like I was gonna say it changed my life a bit dramatic and um, <laughs> it's basically a memoir and it covers her life from like a teenager until her late 20s and basically just and this is not really a spoiler but the focus is ends up being on the love she has with her friends and the power of female friendships and I was like oh my god like that is just amazing and it talks about her whole 20s and the boys that sort of came and go but her friends were always there and it sounds cringy but it's not it's done absolutely beautifully and um, just made me feel really good about myself yeah, so <laughs> that sounds so good well those are two that I'll have to pick up then and you dear listener will have to pick them up as well yes. anyway thank you so much for coming on this evening no so nice to speak to you and amazing thank to hear you. about your work because this is just a field I really don't know much about I feel like you do though I feel like I was like I'm I feel like you probably know just as much as I do from the vibe. I was like, this is great. Like, you know so much. I definitely don't. I'm just sort of like an armchair critic about literally everything. Like, I just have opinions on stuff. No, I love that. That's what makes a good podcast host, I feel like. So... Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Afternoon Tea. It was lovely to speak to Sophie, hear more about her line of work and also the really important activism that she's doing within sex education. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about Sophie's work, then go ahead and check out her podcast and also uh, the Instagram handle she linked to the dating app she works for. Thank you so much and I look forward to seeing you next time on Afternoon Tea.